I am uh, more excited about this particular series than any we've ever done. And here's why. I believe over the next few weeks, you're going to discover, I'm going to discover that this may well be the most helpful series we've ever done. Because this series is all about you. We know that when Jesus was asked, hey, what's the big deal? If you could boil it all down, what's the bottom line in life? What's the biggest commandment? What matters the most? And he said to love God and to love others. And we've talked about that, but often we focus on that and we miss. The next thing he said is, and the second one is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, we know in church, and we talk about this a lot, and, and most churches do, the whole love your neighbor. Who's your neighbor? We're supposed to love other people. We're supposed to be kind to other people. We've got all that down. You know what we never talk about? Loving yourself. How do you love you? I mean, Jesus is the one that said it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And, and, and perhaps part of the reason we have a hard time loving our neighbor is many, if not most of us, don't really love ourselves. And I believe part of that can come from the fact of, you may not really know you. I may not really know me. We spend so much time in our culture trying to be like everybody else, don't we? It begins when we're little. When you're going to school, you've you got to have this brand of jeans. You've got to have this kind of cho- shoes. I mean, they can make shoes that cost $2 and charge $8,000 because everybody says they have to have them. We, we spend so much time pursuing, oh, I've got to be like that. Oh, this is the hairstyle that's in now. I never have to worry about that one. This is the hairstyle that's in now. This is the stuff. And we spend so much time trying to conform to what other people say we're supposed to be that we have no idea who we are. And here's the struggle with this. We don't get to do this again. Like, you, you get one shot at life. I get one shot at life. And if you miss being who God created you to be, you really miss life. And if you miss being who God created you to be, we all miss out because there's only one you. And the Bible says you are uniquely and wonderfully made. And so this series, Unique, it, it's about you. And we're going to talk about different types of people in this series. And you're going to discover some things about yourself that you probably never knew before. But here's so what's, amaz- what's so amazing about this. You're going to discover things about, if you're married, your spouse a perspective that you've never heard or seen or thought about. You're going to discover some things about your kids or your parents or your friendships or if you're dating, your dating relationships. You're going to discover some things and learn on a deeper level, not only about you, but about those you're connected with. And, and I think because of that, this series has the potential to, to spur on more personal growth maybe than you've ever experienced. We're doing this because we've been praying in the, in the life of the leadership of C3 that this would be your best year, your best decade you've ever lived so far. And so to get there, hey, if you always do what you've always done, you will always be who you've always been. So to get there, what, what if we talk about what it looks like to love you? What if we talk about who you really are? And, and during this series, you might have questions during the message. There's a number that's going to be on the screen. Right now, I'll show you the number, then it's going to drop to the lower corner. It'll be there through the whole message. So if you have a question today or in the next few weeks as we roll through these, these different kinds of people and, 
some things may come up as we look at a certain passage um, and you have a question, text that in. On Sunday evenings, I'm going to I'm going to have a video that goes up where I'm going to answer the most common questions. When I leave this service, I'm going to film that video. I'm going to answer the questions because um, I want to do it before the Super Bowl starts. And, and so tonight, it's the greatest Super Bowl in the world because I don't give a rip who wins. <laughs> I'm just going to enjoy football because it doesn't come around for a long time. Uh, but, but that video will go up this evening. So when you're done watching the Super Bowl, there will be some answers to questions that pop up. If you follow me on social media, you'll get all the links for that. Uh, but we really do want to create everything we can in this series to help you. My goal in this, listen, I'm not anybody's hero. I just would like to be your guide. And, and I'd like the Spirit of God to help all of us be who we were created to be. Because one thing that's true about our faith, our faith is not a religion. If you step back and think about it, we are taught in many corners of our culture to embrace religion, but if you look at it, religion is impossible. Religion leads people to hopeless feelings. Religion is a list of everything I'm supposed to do, but I know I'm not doing. And religion can leave you hopeless. If you look at human history, so many horrific things have been done in the name of religion. And so in the life of C3, we're not about religion. We're about embracing a relationship with Jesus. And in that relationship, there's growth that should be happening, that Jesus leads us to, growth that's outward toward others, growth that's upward toward God, and growth that is inward toward ourselves. So becoming a follower of Jesus is about getting to know God. It's also about getting to know yourself. So in this series, there's going to be a lot of, a, a lot of self-discovery along with a lot of God discovery. And, and you might be thinking, hold up, hang on. I thought I was coming to church, not coming to some Tony Robbins, figure it out, do better, self-help. Hey, we are church, and the foundation of everything we do is founded in Scripture. But if we look at Scripture and we allow the Holy Spirit to speak to our lives, and as a result, we end up personally benefiting and being helped from it, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think, listen, we, we look at the Word of God, and yes, God inspired His Word. The, the Word of God, I believe, is inspired by God. Scripture says it's the breath of God. I believe it's inerrant and infallible. What does that mean? It is perfect. It is without any mixture of error. It is the foundation for our lives. But not only is the purpose of the Word of God so that we can know God more, I believe it's also so that you and I can know ourselves more. Who God created us to be, we're created in His image. So we're going to ask some questions each week through this series, and I want you to think about you because this series is about you, and the first question we're going to cover is, how do you perceive you? How do you I mean, how do you perceive this world? When you see things happen in the world, how do you perceive it? You understand we're all wired differently. For example, how many of you think Kansas City will win tonight? How many of you? Look at that. How many of you think San Francisco will win? Look at that. San I don't think I've ever heard 49ers fans be so quiet. How many of you don't care? <laughs> We're all different. There's a game tonight. We perceive it differently. If you're married, you know this, husband and wife. Isn't it true that so often you watch the same event happen with one of your kids and you perceive it differently? Oh, he was disrespectful. And the spouse said, no, 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 no. I, I think he was just trying to say this and this is what he was trying to communicate because... 
when you talk to him, you, you kind of act like this. And we have these different perspectives. That's one of the amazing things about this series. Get ready, get ready, get ready. If you're married, this series is going to enhance your relationship with your spouse. It's going to create greater intimacy. Two weeks before Valentine's Day, you're welcome. This is going to be awesome. But also with your kids, there's going to be, it's going to enhance the relationship. Because you're going to learn, oh, you don't perceive things differently because you're an idiot. You're wired. You're wired to think differently than I am. It's not right or wrong, good or bad. We're different, and that's okay. I think we could benefit to a large degree if we began to celebrate the diversity with which God created us rather than trying to conform to how everybody thinks we should be like everybody else. The moment you become like everybody else, you become useless. You're taking up space unnecessarily. So how do you perceive the world? And then how do you process what you see? You ever thought about that? When you see something, when you're engaged in a conversation at work, when something's happening in your life, you're walking through a season of struggle or difficulty, how do you process that? Because you don't process it the same way everybody else does. And then the third question we rarely think about, rarely think about, How do you present yourself? What do other people who are on the other side of you see when they see you? How do you present yourself? From time to time, we have billboards for C3. And a few years ago, we had a billboard on East 50. And we were riding in the car that day. And someone in my family, I know who, but I'm not going to say who because I want to have a good lunch. We, We were riding in the car. And someone in my family said, um, Hey, on that billboard, you, you have a face kind of like I'm going to kick your butt. You, you have that kind of face. And as a pastor, that's not what you want. Like, that doesn't help people come to your church. That's not like, like, and it's very awkward, by the way, to see yourself on billboards. I'm not a fan. Our, our board and our leadership, hey, said, hey, you need to have your face on billboards so that people know you, you don't look like a pastor. You're just an average guy. And I, I kind of wear that as a badge of honor. I don't have the poofy hair, the cufflinks. I'm just a normal guy. That's all. So if I look goofy, goofy normal people can come, it's going to be all right. But I had no idea I was making that kind of face. Often we have no idea how we're presenting ourselves to other people. You're so used to it because it's who you are, how you enter a room, your mannerisms when you have a conversation. Are they aggressive or timid? When you ask a question, do you seem confident or insecure? We get so used to living in our skin, we have no idea what it is to be on the other side of us, and often people capture more meaning from how we present ourselves than even what we say. So how do you present yourself? Here's what's going to happen in this series. Because the Bible says that we're each created in the image of God, We're going to, this series is going to enhance the beauty and heal the brokenness. Because every single person in this room is absolutely beautiful to a holy God. You're beautiful. Now, you may not feel like you're beautiful, but there is beauty in you. You are beautiful. And we all have some brokenness. We all have some things we've struggled through. So in this series, it's going to enhance the beauty. You're going to see things that are beautiful in your life and in who you are that maybe you've never seen before. And the brokenness, there's going to at least begin a process of healing. To do this, we're going to use a tool called the Enneagram. I don't know if you've heard of the Enneagram or you're familiar with the Enneagram, 
But it's a tool to begin the process of truly getting to know yourself. The Enneagram is an ancient tool. It was designed by a Christian monk and some other monks. And basically it takes all of the people in the world and the different types of, it's beyond personalities. This, this is not strength finders. This is not Myers-Briggs. It's beyond that. It really goes to the soul of who you and I are, how we're wired. And in the Enneagram, there are nine different types of people. Nine. And this morning, we're going to look at the first one. Now again, remember this. While a Christian monk put all this together, I believe you can find all nine of these types of people in the Scriptures. And so we're going to look at biblical passages because Scripture is our authority. And with each number, I'm going to show you whatever number you are And you may not know your number. You may say, man, I don't know what you're talking about. At the end of the message, I'm going to put a link up to a website that's on C3's website where you can go to that page. It's all about this series, and there's a link you can click there. It's a free analysis. I said test last hour, but nobody likes the word test. It's a free analysis that will help you discover which number you are. And then each week, I'm going to take a different number. We're starting with one. We're going to go all the way through nine. And I'm going to talk about the strengths and weaknesses. If you happen to be that number, I'm going to talk about what you need to be aware of. I'm going to talk about the upside, the downside. If you're living healthy, here's what it looks like. If you're unhealthy, here's what it looks like. And you're going to learn some things about you. But here's what's so amazing. You're going to learn more about your spouse, your kids, your friends. And it's going to enhance your relationships. This morning, the number one on the Enneagram is the reformer. This is the person who sees how things could be, the perfectionist. Now, some of you already know. Maybe you're married to this person and you're sitting by them right now, and men, you're sitting there and you're thinking, don't look at her, just look straight ahead. Keep the pace of breathing normal. I'm going to pray to Jesus with my eyes open because I don't know what he's about to say, if she's going to be mad when this service is over. I'm just going to look. I'm not going to nod. I'm not going to nod. I don't want to agree. I'm just neutral. I'm just listening because I don't want to upset her. <laughs> Listen. Here's the thing, the person who sees how things could be, that is a gift. That is a huge gift. If you're wired like that, man, to to walk into an atmosphere and see how things could be, to, to see what could be happening, to see the potential of what God could do or what could happen in your life, to walk into the workplace and you have the choice, you can see how things could be and it either frustrates you that it's not. Or recognize the gift that it is that you could see what could be and help make it happen. So this is the perfectionist. Now the struggle with this is because you're always seeing, if you're a one, you're always seeing how things could be. You're the perfectionist. The the struggle is it can be hard for you to be content. Because you always want it to be, it could be like this, it could be like that. You're striving for that. If you have a child that's a one, you, you need to be aware of this. That there's this constant sort of tension because there's a frustration that's not like that. Because all of us, no matter what number you are, we can be living in a healthy way or an unhealthy way. And if we're not healthy, frustration will reign in our lives if you're a one. I'm not a one, by the way. I know what number I am. I'm not telling you until we get there. But if you're a one, that's the case. And so I, I, I notice in the Gospel of Luke, Dr. Luke, chapter 15, one of my favorite stories in all the Bible. The Bible says there was a man who had two sons, and depending on what translation you have, a lot of translations before this passage says the story of the prodigal son. Why is it for thousands of years we've talked about the prodigal son when this verse says a man had two sons? The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my, fa- my father's 
it moved. The verse moved. I just put two verses together, and I'm like, God, I'm not allowed to do that. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided the property between them. I I want what's mine. Now, in that culture, in that day, the inheritance, the way it was divided, the oldest brother, the oldest male child got two-thirds of whatever the father had. The younger son would get one-third unless... There were daughters. If there were daughters, each daughter would get a dowry to make marrying her more appealing, and then whatever's left of the one-third would go to the youngest son. The oldest son got two-thirds no matter what. Now, we have no idea if there were any sisters or not, but remember, this is a story being told by Jesus. It's called a a, a parable. It's a made-up story. Jesus is making up a story to teach a spiritual principle, and in any, any parable Jesus taught, The spiritual principle is always universal. It is timeless. It is for all people. We can all learn from it. We can all grow from it. So imagine whoever the greatest storyteller is in your life. Maybe your grandfather was great at telling stories. Maybe your grandmother. Maybe somebody you know. This is story time with Jesus. What what better storyteller? And as he's telling it, there's a truth he's trying to communicate. So he paints a picture that we can see with words. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Then the younger son takes off. He leaves. I, I want to travel the world. I want to do what I want to do. I want to be my own boss. I want, to, I want to have fun. I want to enjoy things. Dad, your rules are kind of tight. They're kind of strict. I, I'm my own man. I've grown to the point that I can make my own decisions. So I'm going to do what I want to do. And he ends up doing what he wants to do so much that he's broke. He's penniless. And he's eating pig food, living in a pig pen. And verse 17 says, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. Even my father's servants live better than I do. Now you, you can't really come to yourself if you don't know yourself. This wasn't just a, Wow, I'm broke. I don't have any money. Let me go back to dad. This wasn't just a, oh, well, let me see if I can smooth this over and go back. There was an acknowledgement. He recognized what he'd done. He began to come to his senses and understand some things about himself. So he says, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me, make me like one of your hired servants. He actually... In the story Jesus tells, practices his apology. He's so sincere in recognizing how he's blown it. He takes responsibility at such a level that that rather than blaming others, he owns it. So much so that that he's going over, here's what I'm going to say to my dad, and I'm going to paint this picture to my dad that I get it, I own it. This is on me. I wonder what would change. In this year, in this decade, if you and I actually took responsibility for our own lives, did you know it's a secret? Don't tell anybody. I've never seen anyone blame their way to a better life. Never. I know people that are chronic blamers. Have you ever met them? Everything is always everybody else's fault. That's not this guy. 
So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. Now, in the story Jesus tell, is telling, the father represents God. That no matter how far you've gone, how broken you are, how bad you've messed up, what's happened in life, he, he will always offer compassion and embrace you. You can always come back to a loving God who is waiting for you and ready for you, no matter what. So Jesus, in telling this story, represents the Father, God, as being this way toward us. Sometimes we feel like we've gone too far. We're too ashamed. The guilt is too heavy. There's no way God could love me. Not true. Jesus tells a story to make sure we understand it. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me a servant. Could be translated slave. If you make me your servant or slave... Being that will actually be a step up for me. But I recognize I'm still at the bottom in that condition and I don't deserve anymore. See how he's owning, taking responsibility, not blaming. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Now when he says that, I think it's important to understand In that culture, this robe, everybody knew what Jesus meant when he said it. The robe was reserved in wealthier homes, the robe he's talking about, for royal or wealthy guests that would rarely come. This robe was not used often. This robe is a distinguished robe. It's a sign of honor. It's a sign of respect. It's only given to wealthy. And the ring, the ring that he would put on, it's the family signet ring. And the sandals, he, he said, put sandals on his feet. Because in the home, only the family wore sandals. Servants went barefooted. So in every way possible, he's communicating with his son, you're you're not coming back as a servant. You're mine. And it doesn't really matter what you've done, where you've been, how you've done it. Nothing changes the fact that you're mine. And maybe you're here today, and maybe you just came because God knew you needed to hear. You're his. He deeply loves you. If you're a follower of Christ... It doesn't matter how bad you've messed up, you're his. If you're not a follower of Christ, it doesn't matter how bad you've messed up. He wants to welcome you. He offers you compassion. He deeply loves you. In fact, the father says, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. He throws a party. They begin to celebrate. Because because think about it. I, I don't know. I don't know if you've ever been missing a child, but think about it, parents. If your child was missing and had been missing so long, you assume they were dead and they showed up, how would you feel? Can you imagine the heart of the father here? In that moment, it doesn't matter what he did. But notice, notice if you're a one, notice this. Or if you know a one. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. What does that mean? He's working. He's doing the right thing. He's good. He's doing what he's supposed to do. This father had two sons. One was the son who blows everything up and messes up his life. The other was the son, the older son, that everybody wants. This is the kid that made straight A's. This is the kid that gets multiple college offers. This is the kid that does well on the sports team. This is the kid that never talks back and is never disrespectful. This is the kid that the teacher or the principal never has to call you about. This is the kid that everybody wants. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. He's good. He's doing what's right. 
Now, if you're a one, you're good. And we know you're good. You do what's right. And let me just say, if you are a one, C3 would not exist without you. Because you just do the right things. It's how you're wired. The danger can be you can do the right things for the wrong reasons, but many of you, you're one. You, you do what's right. If you're driving down the highway, your hands are at 10 and 2, 10 and 2, 10 and 2. That's how you drive. And you're praying for those of us driving around you because you know, based on how we're driving and what our hand is holding, we're going to hell. And so you're 10 and 2 and you're praying for us, but you're doing it right. You stop at every stop sign. And by, by the way, by the way, if you live in Avalon, public service announcement. That red sign on a post at intersections that says stop, it means freaking stop. That's what it means. It doesn't mean roll through. It doesn't mean, oh, you're special. You don't have to, but everybody else does. It means stop. For the love of God, stop. And, and while we're talking about Avalon, just, just for a minute, while we're talking about Avalon, if you're driving on a road in Avalon, the roads are already way too small, way too flipping small, but... If you're driving Avalon and you're driving this way and there are cars parked on your side of the road facing the same way and another car is coming towards you, you know what that means? Wait. Stop. You don't go to see how tight you can squeeze through that. It's not a game. By law, you're supposed to stop. So if I were a cop, if I could give $8,000 tickets, I would do it in Avalon all day long and be the wealthiest person in the world. But I'm not a number one. When we get to my number, you'll understand why I think like that. But... What was I talking about? Oh, the older son. It drives me nuts the way people drive in this community. Help me, Jesus. There's some people, I just want to lay hands on them in Jesus' name (laughs) and send them to meet him because I know how to do funerals. I'm a pastor. I'm qualified. It's fine. But I need some therapy. Meanwhile, meanwhile, back to ones. The older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Now, your brother's been missing. The whole family thinks he's dead. Every day when you're in the fields doing the right thing, you walk in that house, and the moment you open the door to your home, when you see your father's face, there's a sadness in his countenance. Something funny happens, and he laughs, but not like he used to. There's an atmosphere in the home of emotional pain, and you hear that your brother's actually alive and he's back. Notice, the older brother became angry and refused to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him. If you're not careful, ones, you have incredible gifts. You're good and you accomplish so much with how God has wired you, but if you're not careful, You will live your life upset and offended and angry with people who don't do it right all the time. If you're not careful, there's a way around this and we're going to talk about it, but if if you're functioning in an unhealthy way, the older brother became angry, 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 and refused to go in. See, if you're a one and you're living in an unhealthy way, you'll spend a lot of time angry and because of that, you're going to miss a lot of parties. You're going to miss a lot of things that the Father wants to invite you to, but you refuse to go in because you're stuck in your anger. And if you're a parent, it's going to be really hard on your kids if you're a one and you live in an unhealthy way. So what needs to happen for a one? 
Stop being the world's referees. Stop being, life's not fair, so quit keeping score. Stop, stop calling personal foul throughout your day in the office, in your home. Stop it. And not only stop doing that with other people, you know the person you're, you're the hardest on if you're one? Yourself. You throw one flag after another on yourself because you want to be good and you want to get it right, but none of us are perfect. And when you mess up, you're harder on yourself, which even pushes you further into just living in a state of anger. And it affects your demeanor. It affects your relationships. It affects how you interact with people if you're living in an unhealthy way. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and you never dis- and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, not my brother, the son of yours. But when this son of yours has squandered your property with prostitutes. Hang on. How do you know that? I just wonder. Sometimes I read the Bible and I just wonder things. Squandered your property with prostitutes comes home. You kill the fatted calf for him. I've been doing the right thing. I show up to work on time. I do my job. I do more than my job. I say, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. I try to go above and beyond. I am dependable. I don't take the amount of sick days in the year that I could take. I'm very careful with vacation. I, I try to work hard. And he got the promotion. And, and the fattened calf. Remember the first verse, I think around verse 15, it said that the younger son asked for his inheritance and the father divided the property. And what that means is at that time in the story Jesus is telling, the father gives the younger son one third, the older son two thirds. That calf belonged to the older son at this point. And the father took it and gave it, had it slaughtered so the younger, they could have a banquet and a party with. And if you're functioning in an unhealthy way as a one, stuff like that will feel like stealing. Because it's very easy, not just for ones, but for all of us to forget that we don't own any of it anyway. It all belongs to the Father in the first place. My son, the Father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. He means it. I divided it up. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive. Do you understand that? Dead and is alive. Do you you get that? Dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. If you're a one and you're functioning in an unhealthy way, you get so stuck in what's good and right, you miss celebrating people. You you, you can miss being the kind of person that embraces people and celebrates any positive movement or momentum in their lives at all. And if you're not careful, you'll discourage your kids, parents, because you've got to be very careful if you're a one. Use how God has wired you And if you use it in a healthy way, you are a force to be reckoned with. The good that you can accomplish that reflects the glory of God, the good that you can do, the good you bring to this world because of who you are and how you're wired. But if you're not careful, the child got a D on that last report card, and this time it's a C plus, and you're still ticked. Don't just celebrate the event when they get where you want them to be. Celebrate the momentum and the direction they need to go. So for ones, I think one of the biggest things, if you're a one, that's important to remember, God sees what you do and you will be rewarded. God sees what you do and you will be rewarded. 
Just like God notices everything, the father notices when the prodigal comes home and throws a celebration. God sees what you're doing. It's not lost on him. He knows the good you do. He knows you wake up. If you serve at C3 and you're a one, you wake up and you look at the temperature and it's like, it's probably going to snow today in Orlando. How did this happen? But you come up anyway, and you serve in the parking lot, and you're freezing to death, and you serve outside. And, and, and then there are these people that just come, and they sit, and they don't serve. Hey, you're not the referee. Let it go. Okay, God will take care of all that. He sees what you're doing for him that nobody else sees, and you will be rewarded. There will be a day where you'll be rewarded. It's just not today. Today is about the one who was lost and is now found, the one who was dead and is now alive. And when you learn to celebrate that, instead of what you think you're not getting, you will enjoy life so much more. Learn to be a person that celebrates. Learn to be a person that believes the best about other people. Learn to be a person that celebrates. Do you, do you ever get jealous when a friend gets a new car, a new house, gets to go on a vacation that you couldn't? I thank God for the friend's in our lives, that when something happens and God blesses us, something good happens, they celebrate with us. You know what I do with people that don't? They get the Heisman. I don't need that junk around me. Be grateful that you're a one if you're a one. You can accomplish so much more than most of us. Because you're, when you combine your purpose and your passion with the calling of God and you function in a healthy way, you, what you can accomplish is endless. Why? Because for a one, you reflect God's goodness. We're all created in his image, but God is a good God. Remember when Jesus said, you, you call me good. Is anyone good but God? When you function in a good way, in a healthy way as a one, you're reflecting the goodness of God. How do I know the difference? Is your goodness pointing to your achievements or who God is in your life? Do you want attention or do you want to make sure everything you do is pointing to who God is and who he's been in your life? Peter writes this, but you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possessions, that you may declare, this goodness is in you, ones, that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. And what is the darkness for a one? What's your sin if you're a one? The sin that you struggle with when you're functioning in an unhealthy way. What what is it? You can be judgmental. Your darkness is being judgmental. You you classify other people and decide if they're good or bad, right or wrong, and you put them in a list. (laughs) Listen, listen, listen. There's an election coming this year. And whatever party that you love, you hate the other one if you're a one. Now, other numbers can as well, but do you understand I mean, surely we've had enough history to reveal it's not going to be a political party that saves this nation. What if we got more passionate about Jesus and who he is? And and, and it's important who we vote for. People died to give us that freedom. But what if we got more passionate about that? But but all that stuff you're going to put up on Facebook, and I'm going to block you when you do it, all that stuff that you're going to put out there, I've never never met anybody that said, well, I just read a Facebook post I totally disagreed with, and it completely changed my mind. I've never met that person. Stop it. If you're going to focus your energy on something, get people to a house that is healing and helpful and shows people what it is to know God in a personal way. But, but if, you're, if you're one, you're, you're sent, the darkness that God is calling you to come out of is being judgmental, but not just toward other people, toward yourself. 
Because you judge yourself more than you judge anybody. You're more critical of you than you are anybody. That stuff you say to yourself all the time, the ways you tell yourself it's impossible for you, you can't, you won't, I'll never have a great marriage, I'm a screw up as a father, I have no idea how to do this, I'm never going to get a career off the ground, I'm never going to be okay financially. I mean, you, you just, you're trying to be so good and do all the right things, but you hit obstacles in life, which we all do. But an obstacle for you is debilitating because you weren't good in your mind. The question for ones that God would ask a one, can you trust me? Can you trust me? Remember the father represents God in the story, and think about this, the older brother, who's like a one, he thinks his younger brother's an idiot, but he thinks the father might be too. Wait, 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 you, 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 you're doing what for him? If you're not careful as a one, if you're functioning in an unhealthy way, God is supposed to do things the way you think they should be done. God is supposed to bless people that you think should be blessed. And God is bigger than all of us and above all of us. The question you ask is, is God really good? Can I trust him? Is, is he really good? The core motivation of a one is to be good and to be right. That's what you want to do. That's what drives you. Now, if you're not a one and your spouse is a one or your kids are a one or you have close friends that are a one, you, you need to know this. The core motivation of a one is to be good and to be right. The need of a one is to be perfect. You want to always get it right. You want to be perfect. So if you're married to somebody that's a one, understand there is a need to be perfect. So when she asks you, do you like the haircut? She probably just needs to hear that she's beautiful. Because she spends a lot of time, if she's a one, convincing herself she's not. What does a one try to avoid? Criticism. You don't want to hear criticism from other people. And so there is a gift in criticism. Even when it comes from a jackass, there's a gift in criticism. It's a biblical word. Look it up. Even when it comes from people that you may not agree with, I've tried to go to the, grow to the place. I wasn't always like this, and I'm still in process. I'm trying to grow to the place where if someone criticizes, because every now and then somebody will criticize what we do at C3. I know that's shocking to you. Like, why? But every now and then, and I've tried to get to the place, unless it's, an, I don't read anything that comes anonymous. I just, it goes in the trash can. You didn't have the courage to put your name. I'm not going to bother reading it. But if someone has a criticism, I try to ask the question, is there a kernel of truth in it? I want to be mature enough to be bigger than that and above that and be able to see through all the stuff that doesn't matter. And look, is there something we could do better? Because as long as I'm a student, everybody's a teacher, and I've got a lot more to learn, and I want to keep growing. But if you're a one, you can fall in the trap of just avoiding criticism, and then you never get to learn some things. You also struggle with criticizing yourself. Ones are the people that know what everybody should do. So they should all over themselves and others. You should, you should, you should, you should. Stop shooting all over people. <laughs> that was just as fun in this service as it was in the last. <laughs> Listen, I said should. If you're a one, you're like, Wait, what did he say? What did, I take? what did he say? Oh, my gosh. That's not right. That's not good. Just stop it. Let yourself off the hook. You, hey, 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 you don't have to hold the world in balance today. There's a God, and he's got it. 
and there's a God, and he's got you. It's going to be all right. And, and, okay, so how, how do I know to process if my kids are ones? How do I know? We're going to give you the link. And, and, and be careful with kids because they mature and they grow and they change. But as a parent, I do think you need to be aware. One indication that your child might be a one is when they sit down at the breakfast table, maybe with their two siblings, before they even eat, they look, they look and make sure all the bowls have the same amount of cereal. It's got to be fair, got to be fair, got to be fair. But you weigh 30 pounds and your brother weighs 80 pounds. Got to be fair. Every okay, we're good. It's all, it's all the same. We can eat now. That, that, just, just be aware of that. Ones, you tend to focus on your flaws. Hey, ones, you are created in the image of God. You are beautiful. You have gifts that this world misses without you. Stop convincing yourself that there's no beauty in who you are. You're beautiful. The core sin of a one, anger. You're so angry that people aren't getting it right. You're so angry that people aren't good. You're so angry that you're not getting it right. And you get it right more than most of us. We applaud you. You do an outstanding job in so many ways. But you tend to focus on the areas that you miss it without celebrating the momentum of your life and what God's doing in the positive if you're functioning in an unhealthy way. The fear of a one is being flawed. That's your fear. You don't want to be flawed. You want to be perfect. So let me give you a couple of biblical truths to pursue real quick. Biblical truths to pursue. Ephesians chapter 4 says, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. The Bible never says it's not a sin to be angry. In fact, Scripture says Jesus was angry. But it does say here in this verse and in other places, it is a sin to let anger control you. Because if you're a one functioning in an unhealthy way, you spend a lot of time angry with a lot of people, including you. And you push the you part down. Oh, you hear the voices when your eyes open in the morning and the things you say to yourself about you and how you mess this up. And you've got to get that better and you've got to be perfect. And you don't use the word perfect. But you, just, you have expectations of you that are unreasonable. Hey, ones, you're not perfect. But God is good, and he's a gracious God. But if you're not careful and you function in an unhealthy way as one, you become angry with everybody else that's not doing it right. You did your homework, but the other people didn't, and the teacher decided to wait a day to let other people go ahead and turn it in tomorrow. You have two dogs in your home, and you took the dog out you were supposed to, and the other one... The other sibling didn't, but then you're having to help clean up the pile of crap. And the bigger the dog, the more it's like dinosaur crap. I mean, it's just like. And you live angry. And when you live angry, even when you don't feel angry, when you live angry, it affects your demeanor. It affects your countenance and how other people receive you. It's not a badge of honor to be angry and stop saying, well, that's just how I am. No, if you know Jesus, if he has the power to change and transform our lives, you don't have to stay stuck where you are. It's okay to not be okay. It's not okay to stay there. And Jesus can change that in you. You want everything to be perfect, but you're angry because it's not. Your desire for perfection will create an imperfection, an imperfect life. You want a perfect marriage, but you strive so hard and you're so angry at your spouse who won't do their part to help it get there that you create an imperfect marriage, and the marriage ends when all you wanted was a perfect marriage. So here's the prayer you can pray if you're a one. 
If you're a one, and you might need to pray this every day, you might need to pray this every hour, you might need to pray this on I-4, you might need to pray this throughout your day with that person you work with. God, help me to forgive this imperfect world that's not fair. This world is never going to be fair. God, help me to forgive this imperfect world that's not fair. If your spouse is a one, be sensitive to this. Because there's a stress and a tension that they sort of live under. So pray this for them. God, help, help my spouse to forgive this imperfect world that's not fair. Help my spouse to forgive the imperfect person that she, says she decided or he decided to connect with for the rest of life. Make an allowance for other people's faults. Let them off the hook. Colossians 3.13, you might want to write this on an index card. A couple of you might want to get this tattoo. Colossians 3.13. <laughs> bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone forgive as the lord forgave you ones ones please listen to me part of being healthy is to comprehend process think about on a regular basis how much you have been forgiven how much we all have been forgiven and let's learn pursue grace Man, God has given so much grace in our lives. Let's give that to other people as well. Let's represent Jesus well. When we're functioning in a healthy way, we pursue grace. And stop focusing on rules and start seeing people. Don't you see the rules? See the people because every single person you lock eyes with is deeply loved by God. Even those who are not as good as you, those who are not as right as you, those who don't do as well as you in life. God loves them just as much as he loves you and me. So pursue grace. Love people. It will not happen accidentally. Because for all of us, no matter what number we are, in our flesh, the human tendency is to drift to the unhealthy. That's why we have a broken world. This only happens if we bring intentionality to our lives and pursue the healthy side of how God created us to be. So here's your question. Last question. Do you trust your father? Do you trust him? If he throws a party for someone you don't think deserves it, understand there may be some things he knows that you don't. And rather choosing the negative side of how you're wired, choose the positive and thank God they're getting a party. God must know that they need something and they need that kind of encouragement. Learn to celebrate people returning. And when you learn to celebrate people returning, you know what will happen? More people will return to you. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your love. God, I pray for every person in this room that's a one. I pray you'd bless them like crazy this week. God, thank you for the goodness in how you wired them. They, they reflect your glory. They reflect your goodness. I pray as they roll through this week, they would process the things they heard and, and, and celebrate the way you created them, but also embrace the things that that maybe need to be done to move in an even healthier direction as we try to grow more in our relationship with you and in who we are this week. With heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're here this morning. Maybe you're a one, maybe you're not. But you know the greatest need in your life is to commit your life to Christ. See, you can't be who you were fully created to be if you don't know Jesus in a personal way. You've been trying on your own. And even the stuff we talked about this morning, you can't do, I can't do without the Spirit of God living inside me. And so this morning, if you'd like to commit your life to Christ, I want to invite you to pray a very simple prayer. You can pray it out loud, or you can pray it with your eyes closed. Just pray this prayer. Dear God, 
I know that I need you. Jesus, please come into my life and forgive my sin and help me to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. 